0: Do, do do here comes the bride fucking bride reanimator dude i'm tyler i'm danny this fried squirms we're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies with y'all this week is going to be bride reanimator i'm excited for this for one reason that i got to get out of the way right away just because i don't want it to be secret like i don't want it to be like some hidden easter egg for people to notice we started this podcast with reanimator as number one when we hit 101 We decided to go back to the roots of some horror, went to some Universal. But now that we're coming around, that we have another big milestone that we just hit with episode 200, we got to get back on our reanimator foot. We're hitting up the sequel. We got to get back on the same foot that we started out on. You know what I mean?
1: I agree with you there. What's fun about that, too, is thinking about this, until you brought that up, with 101 being a Universal film, is the fact that we're combining both efforts, if you think about it,
0: that's true. That's true. We just didn't do Frankenstein last time. No. But and in fact, we didn't really go. We're giving ourselves a lot of credits <laughs> by saying we went back to the roots. We went to like the latest of the classic Universal horrors.
1: Yeah. But, uh, but regardless, regardless, <laughs> we still hit on some Universal, regardless. I think it's just another one of those coincidences that happen here on the show. So I'm excited that we're returning to our roots, so to speak, as well.
0: Right. This is kind of. Reanimate around two. in multiple ways. But we'll get to that. To start off, though, this is fried squirms after all, so we're gonna get high. Uh, what did you bring me today? What am I smoking on right now? Well, we'll do our green hits, but to be honest, we've already started in. So,
1: oh yeah. So since we're already in, to our favorite <laughs> <laughs> things we do on the show is I brought over some blueberry Tahoe, and once again, I got it from local dispensary here in town greener pastures just because they run such a good deal on joints it's hard to pass up on it so this is one i do believe we've both probably brought on the show before but if not it is a balanced hybrid 50 50 i think this one leans a little bit more on the sativa side at their dispensary and anyhow it does combine the classic tahoe og kush and blueberry strains like i said i love blueberry but the effects you'll get on this You'll feel relaxed. It's a little cerebral. The flavors, you'll have some berry, candy, and sweet notes come through, and it has a very earthy, fruity, grassy, sage, and sweet aroma. I do enjoy this one a lot. I've been chiefing on it all weekend, and nice high. And this one does come up somewhere in the upper 20s. I want to say like 28% THC, so.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yours, or what I brought you, we found out is a mystery. I know its name is Gala. G-A-I-L-A. Yeah. I should ask my bud tender more about it, but I was just like, you know, that's your sativa based pre-roll for the day. I was like, that's kind of what I want so that we're not a bunch of sleepy boys on the podcast. Oh yeah. Cause that can happen. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll just pick that up. Like 10 minutes ago, we looked, go to find information on this strain, nothing on any of the apps, <laughs> our Google foo best it brought up is that it's sold out at the dispensary that I bought it from.
1: I, know, I was like, well, at least it knows it's in town.
0: But that's all the information we could find. All I know is that it's Sativa Dominant, and its name is Gala. With a name like that, I would uh, imagine it is probably somehow related to, I don't know, maybe like one of the Gaia's gift strains or something. But I could see that. But I don't know for sure. <laughs> no,
1: until we find out definitively. I can say this since I've been chiefing on it. I do like it. It's a nice smoke. Not harsh or anything like that. Let's see. Smell-wise, I think I had a little bit of a diesel note on it. Okay. But, yeah, it's like just a smooth all the way through burn.
0: I actually haven't tried it myself yet. I have one that I'm going to hit later. But until then, I'm going to enjoy this uh, Blueberry Tahoe. And we're probably just going to go jump into the Guts and Bolts of Ride of Reanimator. How's that sound? Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, Reanimator. I didn't think about the fact till this second that I have to do a spoiler free setup for this movie. Assuming you know who Herbert West is, because this is the sequel, Herbert West and his buddy Dan Kane are still at it. <laughs> and good old H-Dubbs decides to build a bride for his lovelorn friend <laughs> after the events of the first movie. And also is just, you know, being Jeffrey Combs hamming it up all over the place. Man, so good. That works, right? I think
1: so. You know, without going into spoilers and all that good stuff.
0: You probably have an idea of what this movie will be just by the title.
1: I would hope so at this point.
0: <laughs> if you're listening to us, right? Like, it's obvious that it's Bride of Frankenstein. Anyway. <laughs> Ish. I yes, mean, because it's yeah. not really.
1: No, 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 but... It's inspired by some of the events. All right. So, of course, week to week, we like to talk about the people who go into making the film and the actors and actresses in front of the cameras. And this week, as a gentleman, we've actually talked about a couple of times before, I think more recently because we reviewed The Dentist back on episode 166. But Brian Usna, really interesting guy. He's a director who's done such things as the film Society. Really awesome film. He's also responsible for Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 4, initiation from 1990. He's also the director on Return of the Living Dead, Part 3, which is really cool. He did uh, the Library and Whisper segments of the Necronomicon back in 1993, The Progeny, The Dennis Part 2, Beyond Reanimator, which is like part of a trilogy of sorts in this uh Right, that was 2003? Line. 2003, Yeah. And uh, looks like more recently, 60 Seconds of Solitude in Year Zero. So man of many different varieties. He's also a producer, a writer, which we'll mention here in just a moment. But the writers, including Brian Usna, are Rick Fry, who's helped on such films as Society and Dementia, and Woody Keith, who also helped on Society, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 4, and the film Dementia. It was inspired by some characters in H.P. Lovecraft stories, which I'll mention in a little bit. And Brian Usna, which I did mention, is a writer, which has a few credits of note. One I know we've talked about before, which is still kind of mind-blowing when you look at his filmography, along with Stuart Gordon's as well, because, you know, we have to mention they're a part of a team. But anybody who grew up in the 80s and probably 90s are familiar with a series of films, starting with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, in which he was a writer, (laughs) which is pretty pretty wild. That's right. Yeah, so I was like, man, that's pretty interesting. But he also helped on From Beyond, a film we've reviewed in the past, and Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 5, The Toymaker. So some pretty interesting things there. All right, cinematographer is Rick Fichter. He's a gentleman who's helped on such films as Society Adventures in Dinosaur City, and he did six episodes of television's Nash Bridges back in 2000. Wow. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. Editor, gentleman we've talked about before, Peter Teschner, and we talked about him back when we reviewed Phantasm Part 2 on our mm. 103rd episode, and a few things of a note outside of Phantasm Part 2, as he helped on Society, go figure. He's also helped on such things as The Dark Side of the Moon, which is a film Unearthed Films actually picked up not too long ago. Mm. Pretty interesting. So for those who are fans, he's also helped on Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4, Puppet Master Part 2, A House in the Hills. Let's see here. 28 Days, interestingly enough. Road Trip, Charlie's Angels, Scary Movie 2, Bull Rat, believe it or not. I mean, Semi-Pro, Land of the Lost, Horrible Bosses. St. Vincent and Identity Thief. So, some pretty interesting, more recent films when you look at it. All right. Another name we've actually talked about before because he helped compose the music on our very first review when we did Reanimator way back when, right? So, Richard Band, he is the brother of Charles Band. And you're like, why are you mentioning that guy? Charles Band is the guy who founded Full Moon.
0: Who's responsible
1: for like some of the films I already mentioned with the Puppet Mm -hmm. Master and Demon Toys? And we've actually talked about it because of Evil Bong.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Yeah. So stuff like that. You know, it's some shit I grew up on too. But Richard Band's done some pretty cool stuff, man. Just a few things of note. I'll get this out of the way. He helped with uh, Puppet Master, The Littles Reich. That's probably something more recent, along with Exorcism at 60,000 Feet. Uh, He's done the Ooga Booga back in 2013. Like I said, a bunch of the Puppet Masters, Evil Bong 3D, Wrath of the Bong. He helped on Masters of Horror, The Washingtonians, and Valerie on the Stairs, along with Dreams in the Witch House, Beyond Reanimator, Stargate SG-1. Yeah, some really cool stuff, man. Castle Freak as well. So worked alongside Stuart Gordon as well. All right, special effects teams. Some pretty interesting names, names we've talked of before. I'll go right into it because there's uh, a pretty good list. So David Allen Productions, they help with the stop motion animation and miniatures on the film. Dublin Effects, they help with the finger and dog effects on this. Okay. K&B, Kurtzman, Nicotero, Bergman. Effects Group, they help with the special makeup effects and bride effects. They help create the effects for her. Gotcha. All right. Magical Media Industries, they help with the doctor at Hill's head and the bat wing effects. Okay. It'll make more sense later on. All right, SPFX Incorporated, they help with the mechanical effects, and Screaming Mad George Incorporated helped with the special makeup effects during the crypt sequence toward the end of the film. Gotcha. Okay. All right, so there's going to be some people in these special makeup effects I'll talk about in our next section. All right, because it will be here all day if not. All right, moving forward, production companies were reanimated two productions in Wild Street. Distributors were 50th Street Films. They helped with the 1991 theatrical release here in the States. A little side note about 50th Street Films. They are a branch of Troma Pictures.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: I thought that was pretty cool. So they changed their name when they were releasing mainstream films to one of a few different names. And this is one of them.
0: As compared to your normal trauma. Trauma,
1: yeah, because that already has a reputation of sorts.
0: It's kind of like Touchstone is actually Disney.
1: Yeah. I'll say this. If you are a fan of horror, if you're a fan of B, Colt, Slout, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. do a little research into some of the actors and actresses who started in trauma films. It's kind of mind boggling, to be honest. We've talked about, I think, James Gunn before.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, big name. So there's some there's a laundry list, believe it or not. So, like There's some pretty interesting wow. names. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, release dates, uh, it had a premiere January 1990 in France at the Evo Fantasy Film Festival. And here in the States, New York City, New York on February 22nd, 1991, had an estimated budget anywhere between two and two point five million dollars here in the States. It does have a tagline. Easy one. Date, mate, reanimate.
0: <laughs> Works for me. Ish. Uh,
1: yeah. It's on the poster, man. Yeah. You know. I was like, all right, we'll go with it. All right, so getting to the cast, we have a couple of people returning, reprising their roles. And I think you've already mentioned one of them with Jeffrey Combs, who reprises his role as Dr. Herbert West. We've talked about him a few times, first time being on Reanimator, our first episode, and again on episode 156 when we reviewed From Beyond. And if we were talking about him, I think a lot of people who don't know of his film roles. Probably know him because of some of his works in television.
0: Star Trek mostly, I would think. Yeah,
1: uh, some really cool stuff there. He actually fictionalized Edgar Allan Poe in the Black Cat episode of Masters of Horror, which is really interesting as well. I think some people probably know him as Dr. Kevin Burkhoff on the 4400 television series. He voiced a couple of different characters in animation as well. Like in the new Batman Adventures, he voiced Scarecrow, the Question in Justice League Unlimited, Ratchet and Transformers Prime, Rat King and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, stuff like that. Speaking of full moon pictures as well, there's a film I've been kind of having my eyeball on. It's not The Pit and the Pendulum. I'll go ahead and tell you that. It's a film called Dr. Mordred. came out in 1992. Okay. It's kind of Dr. Strange-esque. Okay. It's Yeah, it's, you know, 92, so you have to be a little... Easy on the graphical department, but I've heard some pretty good things about it. Interesting. Uh, yeah, he was also a part of the film The Giver, which is interesting. There's a few people who worked on that project. Uh, one that kind of caught my eye, I didn't know he was in Cellar Dweller from uh, 1988. It's a film I grew up watching. But I think a lot of people probably know him because of his role as Dr. Herbert West. All right. So moving forward, another gentleman we've talked about before. He reprises his role as Dr. Dan Kane as Bruce Abbott. We talked about him because he was in episode one when we reviewed Reanimator. A couple other films of note, he was in The Last Starfighter, the film Bad Dreams, the TV movie Dillinger, which starred Mark Harmon, which is really neat, and The Prophecy Part Two. And for those who like trivia, he is married to Kathleen Quinlan, who we've talked about twice because she was in Event Horizon, and she was the mom in The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. All right, moving forward. No relation to James Earl Jones, but we have Claude Earl Jones, who plays Lieutenant Leslie Chapham. Uh, This gentleman's actually got some pretty cool roles, man. So when you look at some of the films he's been in, he was in such things as Miracle Mile. He was in Battlestar Galactica back in 1978, which is really cool. Uh, He was in the Dallas television series for several episodes as Duke Carlisle and Wally Hampton, so... Came back as a couple of different people. Uh, He was in Max Headroom, the television series. Pretty cool. Some Matlock episodes. He was in Little House on the Prairie. So a lot of television work, man.
0: All right. I say this with love, but he was kind of a big fat guy. So I think Buffalo Bill might have been in him later on,
1: too. (laughs) You're probably right, dude. All right. Here's somebody who I didn't think we'd be talking about in this capacity but we have Fabiana Udino, who plays Francesca Danelli. Come again? I uh, know, right? I will here in just a moment. But uh, for those who are fans of some Michael Myers films, some Austin Powers films, they'll know her affectionately as a lot of
0: Yeah. I don't know how I didn't recognize her. When I watched this movie, I thought I kind of recognized her, but I had no idea from where.
1: Now, here comes a tie-in on credit I just gave, even though he's not in the film, but here's the the tie-in, right? I had mentioned Bruce Abbott was in the film Dillinger that starred Mark Harmon. Well, when I was growing up, I should say. There was a film in the 80s I watched a shit ton of that starred Mark Harmon and also starred Fabiano Dino. And that film is Summer School, also stars Kirstie Alley. And there's an infamous scene that the class pulls off in homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's pretty fucking awesome. So anyhow, some other films of note I remember her from as well. She was in In the Army Now. Right. Which is really fucking dope if you like uh, some of the guys in that film. Polly Shore, Andy Dick, amongst other David Alan Greer. Yeah, there it is, Summer School. That movie's awesome, dude. Thanks. Yeah. Some other things of note, too, i read that she was uh, Miss Teen Italy, which is actually pretty interesting, because uh, she grew up in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Let's see here. She was also in, like, some television roles in Quantum Leap, something I watched a bunch of when I was a kid. Mortal Kombat Conquest. is really interesting. CSI in Miami, and more recently, Jane the Virgin, so a few things of note there. All right. Another gentleman we've talked about before reprising his role as Dark Carl Hill, and that is David Gale. Of course, we talked about him on episode one of Reanimator. Some other films of note: he was in Savage Weekend, The First Power, and the film The Giver. All right, we have Kathleen Kinmont, who plays the role of Gloria and the Bride. And uh, a few things of note from her: she's got some interesting things. She was in uh, such things as Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers, She Wolves of the Wasteland. She was in Snake Eater Part Two, The Drug Buster. She was in a couple of the CIE. Films, one called Codename Alexa and CIA2 Target Alexa. She was Koss' secretary in a film. I know you've said, you've seen, I don't know, dozens of times. And I'm not exaggerating that thing you do. Yeah. But it's really cool. And uh, a lot of stuff in television as well. Uh, she was also a part of Mortal Kombat Conquest, which is really neat. She was also a part of Baywatch uh, for one episode. So, like I said, some pretty cool things of note here. All right. We've got... Mel Stewart plays the role of Dr. Wilbur Graves, and a few things of note from him. He was in All in the Family from 71 through 73. For eight episodes as Henry Jefferson, really cool. All right, he was in uh, a bunch of television series, actually. Tabitha, I know, is, is decked as one from 77 through 78. Jamal, a Little House on the Prairie, In the Heat of the Night, maybe, another one from 1990, so... A lot of television series here. There's two guys that are in a part of the film. You're not going to pick them out unless you really know who they are and if you're looking for them. right? Mm -hmm. I'll mention them in the next section because they've got some interesting things of note that go outside of film. One guy, because he plays mostly creatures, so I'll mention him in the next section. But yeah, that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You did give us a setup, and we should give you some warnings heading into the next section.
0: Let's see. Warnings, boobies, boobies. Not a ton, not a, especially no. for the time period. But no, but not bad. But yeah. some of
1: it's um, not as pleasant as you would think. Right. Some of it.
0: I mean, there's dead being brought back to life, so sort of right. Zombies. Hence the
1: reanimator. <laughs> uh, you got dead bodies
0: in yeah. various states of dead. they not are. necessarily de. I mean, some of it's technically decomposition, but like that's not the focus it's more like some of them are chopped up and shit like
1: you're absolutely right about that so there's going to be some blood and gore given the film's notoriety you know it's predecessor
0: i would say it's not as extreme as its predecessor
1: no not as extreme but there's some decent moments here and mm-hmm. there sprinkled in some language here and there some violence here and there there's some animal harm yeah but it's i'll go ahead and say it it's all like animatronic puppetry stuff so
0: and it's not hard to tell that.
1: Right, right. But for those who are sensitive and don't know any better, that's what that is. So <laughs> no real animals were harmed. I'm trying to think of anything outside of that. There's some, I don't know, some weird body stuff, combination yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's technically body horror, that's for sure. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so there's some of that.
0: And arguably creatures.
1: Yeah, arguably.
0: Mm, yeah, I think that'll work. Whatever. Go watch it. <laughs> Ignore what we just said. Go watch it anyway. And then come back and listen to us talk about how Bride of Reanimator made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right. Bride of Reanimator. I hadn't watched it till last night. Nice, man. This was my first time with it. To be honest, I had kind of stayed away from it in the past because I was like, they already did Reanimator. And Lovecraft did Reanimator, and he didn't write a sequel to that shit. I'm not sure if I want to see a sequel based on nothing. And then I was pleasantly surprised to find out that, oh, the parts they didn't adapt in the first one, they just threw into this part. And so I was immediately like, smile on my face. Like, it doesn't open super right away with them in the war. It takes like a minute and a half to get there, but then they're in the war. And I was like, oh, shit, this is from the story. It's pretty awesome. And so I got I got super excited right away, and it held me the rest. Well, that didn't quite hold me the rest of the way through. Jeffrey Combs held me the rest of the way through.
1: Once again, nails it out of the park. If nothing else, if you see Jeffrey Combs, and you know you're going to get at least a performance out of him.
0: Especially as Herbert West. Oh, man. Oof, kills it. So this is another one of those ones. I can't remember the last movie we said this about, but it's it's been said before where... I both understand why the cult following for this isn't as big as for Reanimator, but I also feel like it should be a little bit bigger than it is. Yeah. Did we say that about From Beyond? Was that also... I think <laughs> that was
1: the remark, but I stand by that. I stand by that one for this film as well.
0: Although this one versus From Beyond, that's tougher.
1: Yeah, for several different I reasons. I ended up
0: going for From Beyond on
1: this. From Beyond pretty dope, man. I'm not going to lie about that, but... This one has its merits. It has its mm-hmm. merits, for sure.
0: Although I might go Combs' performance in this. Ah, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's Herbert West. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. go wrong with that. He and Jeffrey Combs are a match made in heaven. Yeah, that... Or an Arkham in this guy. It gets tough, though.
0: <laughs> Let's see. I kind of appreciate that they didn't just give us the stupidest reason ever, but... Like, I like it, but I don't like that they make no attempt whatsoever to explain how Jeffrey Combs survived the end of The Last
1: One. Right, yeah. There's some retconning kind of stuff going on. And there's also some things that were filmed that never made it to either film, Reanimator or Bride of, that is alluded to in this film. One of them being with Barbara Crampton's character, Megan Halsey, and one being, well, Let's put it three ways. The one that you just mentioned, Herbert West, at the end of Reanimator, because he's getting attacked by Hills' intestines. It looks right. like he's getting dragged into whatever. And then also, Dr. Hills' head was like literally smashed in. The eyeballs were gouged in, and his head, which is like discarded.
0: That's right. <laughs> like,
1: what the fuck? But here he is, right?
0: I had forgotten about that. Yeah,
1: he got fucked.
0: I had remembered. I had, I had remembered comes mm-hmm. but
1: and it was alluded to at the end of reanimator it seemed that dan Cain might have used the reagent to reanimate megan halsey right okay so that was the illusion and there are some allusions to that as well in this film there was some stuff that was filmed actually with the stand-in for barbara crampton that explains maybe some stuff that was left out mm-hmm. you know It didn't do a whole lot, but I could see why they left some of that stuff out.
0: I thought I read somewhere about a deleted scene, and I couldn't remember if it was deleted from this one, or I think it was from Reanimator. Yeah, I think
1: it was Reanimator, if this is about... That
0: might explain how Combs lived, because it's a scene that shows that throughout all of this time, he's been shooting up diluted reagent periodically to sort of build it up in his system.
1: There's a line in that deleted scene because I'd seen the deleted scene with Dan Cain, Megan Halsey, and Herbert West, who is in that scene, where Cain hits her with the reagent. She reanimates, but she breaks down and then she dies. Mm -hmm. She had a broken neck and whatever. And West comes back in and he makes the joke. He says, um, you know, Dan Cain's like, what happened? I thought you were dead. He says, yeah, Dr. Hill. He was going to finish me, but he didn't have the guts. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that tries to explain what happened with Megan Halsey and the reagent and what they've been doing with it in the meantime, trying to find what they explain in this film, you know, with
0: reptiles and some other stuff. Which that's from the book, right?
1: I'm almost certain. I think there's some allusions to that.
0: I mean, I'm asking you as if I'm not the one that's read it like ten times in my (laughs) lifetime, but I'm also really nicely high right now and drawing a giant blank. So
1: no, 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 I'm right there with you too. But I think there might be some illusions there too. You know, working out in the field. In their case, you know, instead of being World War One, it's Civil War in Peru. Mm -hmm. Eight months after the fact of what they uh, refer to it as the Miskatonic Massacre. massacre. Yeah. So.
0: I like that that was worked into this movie. That they just didn't ignore that that happened. Like there was some amount of fallout and they're kind of suspicious. (laughs) Like that cop had an ulterior motive for investigating them.
1: Yeah. We learned what that was, but you're right.
0: Which also, that was actually a really neat twist that did not need to be in this movie and pretty much doesn't actually affected at all right but other than it's kind of though. other than give a reason why he's so gung-ho about it i guess which you don't need. Uh, really yeah. he could just be a dick and it works just as well for i totally movie.
1: agree he's like he's really amped up
0: yeah <laughs> his character is highly amped up but he could just be an asshole and it works to just serve well the same function i agree but i thought it was just kind of neat like oh okay that's a that's different. That's, cool. that's different. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Kind
1: of how I felt about it watching it. You're not at least I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that kind of performance mm-hmm. and that kind of energy he was giving. Because it would be almost cliche where you can just kind of play that character laid back. Like you said, still be a fucking dick and pull it off. And you know, no one would think the wiser. But I like this little misdirection, you know, like him being a fucking bully. <laughs> because he does have that ulterior motive.
0: I mean, this is a spoiler section. I guess we can just say that he killed his wife.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, (laughs) Wes calls him out, dude. He made no bones about it. And I like how there's even like little tie-ins. It it was a quick one, too, with that heart Mm attack-inducing formula he had developed. I think it was using that iguana.
0: Yeah, the Cusco iguana.
1: Yeah, and so he was telling Dan about that. And when he gave him that heart attack, because he was about to get his fucking head smashed in with that shovel... He turned around and hit him with that reagent, wound up chopping his arm off, kinda like what he did in the tent at the mm-hmm. beginning of the film. So there was a lot of neat little either you know, mirroring of what's gonna happen.
0: This is still not, good writing. Yeah. This does not measure up to the original. No. It's arguable if it measures up to some of Yuzna's other work. Or I mean, I know that he didn't really have anything as much to do. Anything to do, Stuart Gordon. Did he have anything to do with this one? Not with this one. But I mean, him and Hughes no work so often together that I consider them part. Of, <laughs> I mean, this f- feels just as much like a Stuart Gordon movie as the first one did.
1: I you know what I, I mean. I agree because they did bring, you know, we talked about the actors back too, but familiar people in this, this genre. This
0: isn't the strongest of Gordon's offerings, but it is still a well put together.
1: No doubt, like I think for the time period as well, it has some really good shit going on with it.
0: It was also wild that they opened on fucking Hill's head.
1: Dude, I know. I, I like that as well, because once again, you're like, what the fuck? What's it? How did he come back? And there's a little side story that's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I think one of the weaker parts of this movie is that it doesn't ever decide what to actually focus on. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot which of It's kind of a problem with a title that is very focused. Oh, no doubt. This should be Bride of Reanimator. The actual amount of Bride of Reanimator in this movie <laughs> is very little.
1: Like one half of one act. Yeah. Essentially.
0: One half of one act with the actual Bride of Reanimator. Oh, who's but in it not also? Very long. We also don't get a ton of time with the buildup to that with Kane and. Gloria Gloria and and Meg and Francesca, and there's a really good story to be told there. That's a love triangle that is broken, maybe a quadrangle, but it's broken up way too much with also focusing and having honestly, you need to focus on West as well because it's reanimator. Well, yeah, which is Herbert West. Precisely, the name implies that. So there's a really good story to be told with Kane's side of it that gets some really good moments, but isn't focused enough on to truly set up the bride the way she should be. I agree with that. To make it emotional. She's set up, but it's kind of like in name only. Like you're not yeah. actually invested in it in the way they no. should
1: be. The romance in this is more focused on Dan Kane and Danelli. Mm-hmm you know, those two characters more so than Dan and Gloria or even Herbert West and Gloria.
0: And if you're not going to get us emotionally infested, then she needs more screen time as the bride so that at least you get the creature time. And like you already pointed out, we don't get that either. Not very much at all. It's a lot of Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West, which is what keeps this movie good. Right.
1: But yeah, I feel like if you are going to name a film bride of, with the emphasis on bride, (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would like you would hope you would get a little bit more but i think this like the second time through it it, it dawned on me like man it took a while just to, to even get to the bride and by that time the film's almost over
0: and the other distracting thing is like it can't focus on the love triangle enough it focuses a lot on combs but honestly not enough to give him a proper arc either yeah and then you have the hill subplot with graves and nothing is ever explained right. about graves but he is a fucking weirdo in his own right he
1: really is let me ask you this since we're on those guys in particular and i'll even throw in the lieutenant's character oh yeah post yeah. reanimation okay for him is i felt like because they were playing around in the universal universe mm-hmm. with the bride of and you know as an extension of frankenstein was i felt like they were doing a little liberty with dracula and that arc. And the bat. And... The bat and the whole like having power over the zombies, if you will, mm. with telekinesis, which it was already established in Reanimator that Hill did have power over the undead. Right. In the morgue and all that stuff with those characters. So I was like, okay, there's continuity there. But then the, I felt like there was like some Pro well, shit going on or Renfield the, stuff going on. I mean.
0: The undead in the mental asylum could be Renfield's.
1: That's what I'm getting at. Like, there was a connection there. He even arrives in a crate, which is what Dracula does.
0: <laughs> Although... <laughs> I know it's arrived, different circumstances, Him but, arriving in a crate is actually a shout-out to the original story, which that's one of the things where I was like, oh, they didn't do this in the first one, so they did this in the second it's one. It's pretty cool, eh? Where at the very end, it ends with the reanimated head of West's foe being mailed to him and showing up on his doorstep. Yeah. Before he gets attacked and hauled off, and that's pretty dope. Presumably to be killed and yeah. possibly huh. reanimated himself, but like
1: there you go, man. That's that's a couple mm-hmm. different cool tie-ins, and mm-hmm. both of those it's like a double entendre as well. But <laughs> I like it. I think there's some really cool little allusions to other stories sprinkled throughout. That's just, not just focused solely on you know Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein and all that stuff. So it would have um, been
0: nice if they would have focused more on one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, granted, given the the title, but there's reasons for that too. Like, I will say this in its defense is that this film really was like greenlit fast and went into production super fast because I can't remember exactly who it was, but one of the studios like wanted this film done by the summer. So they, uh, (laughs) I think it was like around this time of year. Honestly, like that Brian using was pitched the idea. They couldn't get Stuart Gordon, of course, because he was working on a different project. And they were like, you know, I had to find some other guys. I couldn't get Dennis Paoli, who's one of the guys who helped on Reanimator because he's working no, with. Yeah. So he went with some other guys. Still had the same kind of feel. I'll give him that.
0: I'm not going to lie. Like, this feels exactly like a sequel to it. Right. Like if, if it had the same feel. the same feel to it. And that's amazing.
1: And that says a lot. And it doesn't hurt that Brian Usna was a producer on Reanimator. Absolutely. So that does not hurt.
0: Frequent collaborator right. with Stuart Gordon.
1: So. And we've already mentioned the effects teams that were involved. And he knew because of working on Reanimator that you couldn't solely use one effects team to get everything that you wanted done. Because not everybody has the same craftsmanship or vision of what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Or just general skill set.
1: Here's what I thought you was might as cool. Well let
0: them do what they're best at rather than Absolutely. Make them do everything.
1: And that's what he said helped him when he worked on the film. I think it's called Demon Toys. Mm. He said that the people who created the puppets, you know, were puppeteers and they worked with marionettes, but they didn't know how to do the effects of having said creatures inside. So that's where they needed right, the special the effects teams. right. So he said, you know, you let the people like you were saying who are good at one of those things work on that specifically and the other one work on the other one and you combine it and you get this really cool effect. So that's what he did with this film. That's why there's so many special effects teams on it. So anyhow,
0: I'm surprised to find out that the KNB part was the bride. Well, I'm both surprised and not surprised. The bride, I think has both a couple of my favorite effects in the movie and maybe the lazy not the laziest right but but maybe the weirdly laziest effect in the movie (laughs)
1: all right yeah i'm interested in hearing that one
0: her breaking down is fantastic
1: yeah it's really cool
0: and just her overall design is not bad i don't think you could get away with doing it so simply these days i think maybe some of the use
1: of lighting and color textures in this helps mask some of that stuff though
0: but her overall design, I thought, was well done. Yeah, it's not bad. It's kind of a lotted scene, so this might be a little bit of a hot take. <laughs> but here we go. We could do the pulling out the heart the way that they did it. Yeah, it's not bad. But it's for being K and B. It looked the pulling out the heart was lazy. It's accomplished mostly with a cut.
1: Yeah, you're right to mask some of the stuff going on. Yeah.
0: Because you see her start to reach in.
1: But you never do see her go all the way in and pull it out and stuff like that. And you,
0: upon a second viewing, look at what she's doing. It's very obvious that it is just fake skin on top of her actual chest. Right, you're right. There's like a prosthetic they're using that she's reaching into. Yeah. And then there's a cut, and she's holding the heart so close to the lighting and the fake blood is she's holding the heart up to her chest, never inside that prosthetic, yep, yep. and then just pulls it forward. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you're right. And it's accomplished through a cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I agree. I noticed that too. It's not like a, a one fluid cut. There's an edit in there.
0: <laughs> and I'm kind of surprised that we didn't get a full... That's a good point. ...full in and out from them.
1: Yeah. You would think... Now, I read that it was Nicotero...
0: Now what? that being, it was good looking. No, no, no not, I agree. I don't want to say it would look like shit. I agree. I'm just saying, from that team, it you would feels... expect
1: a little better, mm-hmm. given the name and given However, the prestige. I think
0: we've also seen them do worse than this.
1: right, but you know, I, yeah, we might be like.
0: I'm being very nitpicky with this. Right, but I'm I, I going to these completely are big names, acknowledge man. that I'm being very nitpicky with
1: this. It doesn't diminish any of their work. It's just a critique. That's all it is. you yeah. know. I
0: just couldn't help but notice it. I'll put it this way. there's some times
1: where you might listen to music, where you might catch an artist slip up, miss a note, but to the untrained ear or eye, you're not going to notice anything different. That's what I'm getting at. They're just like little things. Mm-hmm. you know. It's not. We're not saying they're bad. <laughs> We'd be dumb saying that shit, but I did notice some things like you were saying, that being one of them. But anywho, what I was going to say is Gregory Nicotero was actually working on Halloween Part 5, and I think that was like a little bit further out than what was anticipated, so he came back on Mm. this project and helped. So, you know, they had some underlings, so to speak, that helped on this project as well, so things were kind of worked in different segments, I guess, depending on the teams working on this project, and they talked about that too. This film was only shot in like 18 days, if you can believe that, too, okay. which is pretty remarkable when you think of all the effects and shit they had to do in this film. So, um, yeah, they were against the clock a little bit too, but still, nonetheless, not bad. Just not entirely great either.
0: Okay, so Graves. What the fuck is the deal with Graves?
1: He is a very oddball character that uh, you don't really get much. About him at all, dude. No, he's weird. Other
0: than, yeah, he's mysterious, he's kind of real, Creepy. not funny jokes.
1: Yeah, yeah, very dry, <laughs> mortician
0: like humor, I suppose. But also, like, why are you? He just, who oh and why he does the he? I, how does he get the reagent in the first place? I can't remember that.
1: That's when the lieutenant comes in to the morgue. With fucking Hill's head, he mentions he found it at a sideshow. So Mm -hmm. he's questioning him about the missing body parts along with, you know, the massacre and the events and what have you. So they go into like this body part room or whatever the fuck it is, a storage room. And that's where they find the reagent is in there.
0: There's no reason for him to do the fucking bad experiment, I guess, is what I'm eventually getting to.
1: Yeah. I watched a review and (laughs) jokingly they said... And it kind of makes sense. This was not the intention of the film, but given the time we're in, this, this is how COVID happens.
0: <laughs> right? You want COVID? That's how you get COVID. Don't be fucking around with by bats. By just injecting bats with doing? shit.
1: Quit fucking around.
0: I mean, even if he like wants to test it, like I feel like that's not the place to start.
1: Oh, no, dude. Oof. What are you doing?
0: I don't know. A lot of his character seems to make no sense. Yeah, that guy. Just... seems to imply that... He is doing some fucking creepy shit of his own. Like, West is not the only one fucking around with bodies in this place.
1: This speaks volumes of the time period and maybe the healthcare system at that time, (laughs) where you just have, like, some random dudes and just work in the underbelly of hospitals and just do some creepy experiments. These are, like, the modern-day body snatchers and shit like that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what this is like.
0: Knowing some of the sad realities of the way some things are actually tested, and this isn't going to get into something weird like animal testing. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I actually found it really interesting that West was willing to do so much of this research using a female body, Mm -hmm. because I don't know how many people realize this, But a lot of things aren't ever actually tested on females. (laughs) That's a good point. There's, like, places to go look up. I'm not a good source of information on this, but there are super interesting podcasts and books and, like, experts on how, like, a lot of medical shit, like, a lot of test groups and the way things are... Not test groups for, like, later on, like the placebo versus does this work, but, like... The trying to make things work huh. in the first place before it gets to that phase is done using only like male cells and male reactions and stuff hmm. which some drugs have side effects that you don't find out until they're presented yeah. into a female body interesting <laughs> and also makes, makes lot. I mean <clears throat> I feel like it's becoming more and more known that female healthcare is kind of shitty compared to males yeah and that's literally part of deal. it <laughs> yeah that's
1: ah man that's weird we do some weird shit sometimes mm-hmm. as guys some more so than others but <laughs> i didn't know that i didn't realize that but it makes sense as well
0: Mm-hmm. given and not just like medical shit but even just the way things are designed in our everyday life
1: yeah yeah, get him, tyler
0: Once you learn a little bit about it, it's one of those things that you can't help but keep in the back of your mind, and you are like, "Oh shit, that's even things things down to just like chair sizes and shit." Yeah, that's that's built with certain specific specifications in mind.
1: I mean, I'll put it this way, and that makes sense because everything has an origin story. You can trace it back, typically, Mm -hmm. to a starting point, and then it really does make things make more sense in
0: perspective design and yeah like somebody
1: had to do that what did they use what was its yeah you know what was its purpose his intention etc etc i like that i think that's interesting Mm -hmm.
0: when he was doing so much experimentation using a female corpse yeah that kind of
1: goes against the grain right Mm -hmm. that's really cool uh man i had a fucked up character voice i was using for The explanation of some of the body parts and where he got them from and shit in my head. And I was like, ooh, I might try one of them later on. But anyway, here's something that you mentioned already. And I didn't realize this, which I thought was really cool, is, you know, the references already to H.P. Lovecraft and the story of Herbert West, Reanimator and all that stuff is they said like, uh, what was the opening that you mentioned earlier was like from the fifth book or fifth Mm -hmm. novella? And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. But they said there's also, of course, a reference to the sixth novella.
0: Oh, because also the basement being connected directly to to the the
1: cemetery, right? And that was from the tomb legions. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's really cool. Some of this stuff I didn't know, but like you said, they were drawing from some source that was neat. Skipping a little bit ahead, we've already made maybe a little allusions to this. There's a scene where... Herbert West is showing Dan down in the laboratory. He's got the fingers and the eyeball.
0: The finger creature was pretty cool.
1: Right. And they said that this is a nod to Thing. thing? Yeah, from the Adams family. I was like, that's pretty cool. Here's another really cool thing I didn't realize until I actually watched this behind-the-scenes stuff. But one of the guys who did the special effects on this, we've already kind of alluded to some of the teams, but... Uh, it was uh, the Dublin effects. They did the uh, the eye finger creature, right? So the guy, Tony Dublin, who's like the guy who owns the company, he said that the fingers were actually models of his fingers. So he used his hand. Oh. And there's even stuff like um, he said there's a scene where he said all he did was just attach the fake eye to his ring finger or whatever, and he just kind of used it to prop up to make it look like it was looking over this like little part of right. the table or whatever so he said he just you know just some practical stuff they use some stop motion effects and you know whatever uh but i thought it was kind of a, a interesting gag so to speak in that it was kind of it was a little goofy with uh you know the lieutenant showing up because this is like right after wes is telling kane he's like there's no way a cop will ever show up here
0: <laughs> okay so speaking of the cop showing up yeah and this is jumping forward a bit but we've already jumped around a little bit so i ain't too worried about it When the cop shows back up in the house and Herbert West ends up having to kill him, what leads to the cop (laughs) being able to show back up in the house is... How do I put... So Dan and Herbert are downstairs doing experiments and Dan just dips upstairs to get his dick wet? That's exactly
1: what happens, dude. All right, the way that that kind of timeline happens, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me.
0: I I want to say like I understand Dan having to keep up Oh yeah, the appearances—they can't let Francesco know the no, no, experiments no, are going that's on downstairs. Too creepy, too creepy. But he at no time dips back downstairs to be like, "Yo, Herbert, like, like I got to take care of this because otherwise we're going to get found out." That's right. He yeah. just like, "All right, I'm going to bounce upstairs," and then he just he has a nice dinner and gets his dick wet.
1: Yeah, he eats and eats,
0: and while upstairs, completely misses the fact that all the shit that's happening Clapham with West, into the house,
1: or Chaplin. Yeah, you're right, man. This is how bizarre that is, is like right after two guys, Kane and Wes, that is, show back up to Arkham at the hospital, you know, we find out that Glory is the patient, the terminal patient. And then as they're leaving the hospital, they bump into Francesca, you know, and then <laughs> Dan Kane. this is so funny, one of the guys said, Dan Kane steps up and he's uh, like, hey baby girl, how you doing? But the whole point was like, they were setting up like a, that date later on the night for dinner or whatever, and then that's where... Chapman comes in and walks her through the psych ward after West and mm-hmm. leave because they're also like playing Weekend at Bernie's with one of the cadavers. Right. That's kind of fucked up. <laughs> but this is kind of the tie-in back into the first one that's clever too, is using those psych ward patients as a tie-in to why they're in this film and why there's a connection with Chapman in the first place to this film because his wife was a part of that massacre. Mm-hmm. She was reanimated. You know, when Francesca gets assaulted by the patients, that's including Chapman's wife, I was like, that's fucked up. And then you're right, Kane and Wes, they do their thing later on that night, and then she shows up to have dinner with Dan. Wes has no idea that that's what he's doing upstairs, and while they're wine and dine in 69, and (laughs) Chapman shows up, bullies his way downstairs, and I've kind of already talked about that, where Wes calls him out on his wife Mm -hmm. because she's like, you know, he starts questioning fucking West about that night. He's like, hey, man, she showed up with head trauma, bro. <laughs> you know, they conk him out. And yeah, and then he escapes after he attacks. What, then he like, uh, he attacks the dog.
0: Yeah, yeah. Chapham
1: does. Yeah, fucks the dog up. She tells Dan she hates him and she runs off.
0: But yeah, here's the thing. I understand Dan <laughs> being pissed at Herbert for killing the cop. But who was upstairs and completely missed a fucking Dude. cop sneaking into the house?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, I can't blame him, but you gotta at least give your homie a heads up. Yeah. I mean you guys live together, you work together, you gotta at least give him that much.
0: Dude, they it seems like they kind of just had sex in the open, right? Because yeah, Herbert just he walks, like by, walks the by. Motherfucker. And, like, Cop might have watched, because he was, like, 15 foot away. How long had he been creeping in the house in the first place? He could have mixed them so easy. Dude. Yeah, he
1: could have been the cuck in
0: the corner. I'm (laughs) sure he was the (laughs) dirty
1: little cuck. Just
0: Again, pervert.
1: (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's some some interesting use of timing with characters and, and their circumstances and all that stuff. I did think that was interesting, though.
0: Given that the setup for the scene was actually kind of touching, uh-huh. the eventual payoff of Kane admitting to the patient, like, like that was kind of fucked up when you were going to go into surgery and I called you Meg. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, but it just it helps to think of you as the Meg that lived. Yeah. And then, flatline.
1: Flatline, and yeah. And I laughed real hard. Yeah, because he's so out of it. You Know, Wes comes in, they crack her fucking chest open, and you know, he tells him, like, you're off center, <laughs> but it's too late, you know, it's too late. And then that's when Hill starts to use his telekinesis. The reason being is because Graves, he tries to get orderlies mm-hmm. to come in and see, like, oh, Hill's talking, and Hill, you know, puts on his little act, and then Hill, like, he's telling him, he's like, don't you ever fucking do that again. He tries to cover his mouth and he bites him, <laughs> and then, yeah, he communicates with the lieutenant and the psych ward patients and all that stuff. And this is when West, he starts to show Dan because they're back home. And he starts to tell him he's got all these various body parts he's configured from some of the patients or the women from the morgue. And that's when I was like, oh, damn, this is fucked up shit. What's going on? He says, What well, they got the, the feet of the ballerina. Right. They got the legs of the night walker, the lady of the
0: night. That was fucking funny because I'm like, I don't know if that's a good selling point or a bad selling point to be like, think of all the bodies these legs have been around. like. I know. I was like, well. Like, you're telling me good experience, but you're also telling me, ew. Ew. Where have these been? I do not know yeah I'm going to have i do not some... know how clean of a hooker this was this is not in a place where sex work is legal so she cannot be going and getting tested regularly probably at this time yeah
1: her legs got some shit going on but the selling point it seemed like and i'll get to it because talks about the hands of a lawyer is that what he said that's <laughs> yeah. kind of weird uh
0: i don't that was that was pretty fucking funny though because what was he like case dismissed or something <laughs> like that like
1: Yeah, that was kind of funny, but he talks about the womb of a virgin, and I was like, oh, damn, that's kind of fucked up. I mean, I get it, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, ooh. Because the whole point being is they're trying to create a vessel, the way I wrote it out, that's uh, centered around the heart of Megan, right? He wants the heartbeat of her, and they're going to use all these various body parts to create this idyllic version, this vessel of... And there is a line that Gloria says early on in the film that does come to pay dividends because she's, she tells Dan that she feels sick everywhere except for her head. Right. And that's what, it appears that's what they choose as the upper part of that Frankenstein-esque, I guess, the bride of, so to speak. So I thought that was kind of clever. That was an interesting choice of words, too.
0: We're a little bit past it already, but I do want to say when they were taking her body out, I had heard of these things being described before, but it was super cool to actually see one of those, the like fake out carts to move the body through the hospital without it being seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they, you know, they removed the top, <laughs> put the body underneath and then put that top on that looks like a normal push bed or whatever. The fucking hospital.
1: Yeah. And the whatever. I know what you're saying.
0: That was super cool. Like, I knew that those existed because I've heard of them being used, but actually seeing one, I've never seen one before.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point, man. They make use of some interesting things in this. That was pretty, yeah. Yeah. Shit that you normally don't see.
0: There you go. Well, because at first, too, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? What are they putting her in? Like, this guy is not working with them. Yeah.
1: What did you think of Graves sewing on the fucking bat wings to the head of Hill? Fucking wild, dude. Yeah.
0: What got me more, like I know that Hill sort of like bullied him into it. Yeah, he get
1: strong armed.
0: And Graves, Graves might have done it anyway because he sort of seemed like he was that kind of freak. To be what honest, the part that got me was later on when fucking Hill is basically like, "This is finally my final form."
1: I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, man! This is fucking bonkers. I can't remember
0: what he actually says, but he like. Something to that effect, though. <laughs> right? Like, what like, the fuck is going on, man? This is this is crazy. He's like, this is ultimate me. Me with no body, <laughs> but fucking bat wings attached to my head. I'm like, all right, check You'll you out. You'll never defeat me now. Oh, no, fucking cave in. I think I might be stuck here forever. Oh, fuck. Because I'm a regenerated head. <laughs> with, with bat wings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, that was weird. That's That whole thing just made me think of Dracula's yeah his story
0: they go to to revive meg right and what i thought was hilarious because it was it was already feeding into something that i had been kind of noticing through the movie and i think kane wants to be the one to resurrect meg not because of his love of meg but because throughout the movie he's been finding ways to grab that titty yeah that's a good point his and when he goes to even to administer the shot he sort of cups the top of the titty I mean, he's a tit guy, you know. Some guys are. And like earlier he, with Francesca, he's like, you're so warm. Yeah. And then they get away with not showing nipple on her for... Do they ever show her nipple? No, I was going to say they did but a they great job. They get away with of, not showing nipple. They show a because lot of side boob, a lot of meat. And a lot of him cupping her tit, so you never yeah. see it. Like, it's a lucky hand. But that's his move. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to make sure I get a little bit of tit there. That's right. He's a cup man. <laughs> and fucking herbert west is almost like militantly asexual for himself and he even warns dan earlier he's like don't let the little head rule the big head
1: yeah i thought that was funny that was a funny line and he tells him later on you're better off without her anyway
0: and so this is just like dan's like i know that you don't want to touch titty anyway oh herbert you a little square i know that you don't want to touch titty I got this. There's even times in the movie where it makes sense for Wes to touch Titty, and he doesn't. He almost always goes for, like, the hand on the stomach instead.
1: Yeah. He's more ethical about it I suppose if there's a such thing with him. Oh, yeah. What they're doing, too, after what I put down as Kane getting the honors of injecting the heart, they start doing the countdown to see how long it takes for her to reanimate. And as that's happening, at the same time, Francesca's trying to get into the house, so she's trying to dodge the fucking psych ward patients out in the yard Chapman's wife attacks him out in the yard and yeah. he's kind of fucked up but then she gives chase because she finds francesca
0: that was kind with, of fucking weird Chapman and his wife was both really good comedic interludes and but also i didn't give a shit
1: i totally agree like with the that first either. time
0: through i was kind of laughing at it because it was kind of funny yeah I and agree. the second time through i was like you can Whatever. cut all of this
1: <laughs> It feels a little dead alive as
0: Like it's trying a little a bit. A little yeah. bit, right. But
1: you're right, I, I, I could give two Maybe shits Maybe if they would have went
0: more into that. That would be kind of cool, but... Maybe if they would have given him, like, more than one funny line as a dead person. Yeah. like That's still, eh. If you're going to do it, do it hard, I guess. Yeah, you I really suppose. Really give it to him. I, I don't,
1: yeah, I, looks, I know these are small critiques, but still, it's like, eh, yeah. So anyhow, she witnesses some stuff going on because Dan goes upstairs to show Herbert West that the bride is now mm-hmm. reanimated, but just as all that's happening, Hill and Chapham and all the ward patients are in.
0: Everything comes together.
1: Right. All coalescing into one, right? And uh, culminating into one. And they get ushered into, what was it, into the crypt that's connecting the basement the Mm -hmm. estates together and that's when you also run into some of Mr. West's handiwork you know this is kind of cool this is getting into those creatures you know and some of the effects down there this is where the guy screaming Mad George his handiwork came into play Mm -hmm. and some of that stuff reminded me a little bit of Nightbreed characters down in that crypt
0: did you see the cat I'm trying to think I don't think I did okay
1: now I think about it when we're done okay
0: It's maybe not worth pausing the show to show you this right now because I don't think it's going to get a bit of a reaction. And it's only in maybe like one or two shots. But when all those creatures burst in, after they burst in and there's a part where everything's kind of turned back around and they're kind of more in the room looking back towards, they're looking like from like the top of the table. Okay. At the very back of the table... It doesn't look like it's at all a zombie. It doesn't look like it has had any parts replaced or was put together with anything. Coming over the back of the top of the table is just a fucking white cat puppet. Huh. And once you Weird. see it, it's the funniest fucking thing because it fits not in that scene yes, I, I don't think, at all.
1: I don't think I, I caught that, but I'm curious now that you mentioned that, dude. It's kind of cool.
0: It is ridiculous.
1: Real quick note, just a real quick note, and I'll get this right through it. So I, I mentioned the Screaming Mad George. He also worked on society. He helped with what they called a shunting scene, which okay. if we ever get into it, I'll bring that up in the future. So there was two guys who worked as some of the creatures that were used in that sequence. And those are the guys I left off in the credits earlier, but I do want to mention them now. So one of the guys, he goes by the name of Johnny Legend. He wasn't down in the crypt. He was actually one of the psych ward patients. Okay. He was kind of like the long-haired kind of... Right,
0: and who kind of gets a bit more prominent spot towards the end for a right. little bit.
1: This is really interesting. I don't want to go off too much on a, a tangent, but this guy was known as a rockabilly musician, a film producer, of course an actor, and a wrestling manager. So... It says here in 81, he and Linda Luttrek saw My Dinner with Andre. They thought of doing a spoof of it back in uh, like 82, and they worked together with Mark Shepard. They directed, it's called My Breakfast with Blasey, which starred Andy Kaufman and wrestling manager Freddie Blasey. So I thought that was really cool. Um, it says he also worked on such things as The Sadist, He co-founded Incredibly Strange Wrestling back in 95. It was a uh, wrestling promotion active in San Francisco until about the early 2000s. I mentioned he worked on a a lot of rockabilly stuff, but it's kind of neat that he was in this. He also worked on Children of the Corn Part 3, and he was in Man on the Moon. That is the Jim Carrey film. So, neat little thing there. The other guy I wanted to mention, he wasn't in the crypt. He was the guy that was kind of crawling through the opening. Okay. His name is Noble Craig, and he's known, of course, for appearing in a lot of horror films, mainly because he lost both of his legs and one of his arms in the Vietnam War, right? And some of his characters, when you look at it, you're like, oh, no fucking wonder. So there's a film called, this is not me like spazzing out, so bear with me for a second, but (laughs) there's a 1973 film called like with a bunch of S's. He plays, this is fucking funny, the role of Tim McGraw, not the fucking country singer, but the snake man in the film. All right? He's also the vomit creature in Poltergeist Part 2, The Other Side. He's also a sewer monster in Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. And he's a puddle soldier in The Blob, the 1988 Blob, and says Freddy Krueger. He didn't play Freddy Krueger. I think it was a a scene where there was like a, a melding of bodies But he was in A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 5, The Dream Child. There's a sequence that he's in in that. So some pretty interesting things there. So I wanted to mention those two guys because they're kind of well-noted kind of people. Right. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. But we're almost at the end. So the crypt starts to crumble once they get into the crypt of the cemetery. And that's when some weird shit's going on as well.
0: Yeah. Like, um, Wes
1: is getting assaulted by the creatures and all that shit. And... Francesca and Cain somehow get separated.
0: Amongst all that stuff, she's already had the fight with the bride, who's right. offered her heart.
1: yeah, we Which, talked about yeah, it, and then the you know the bride crumbling because she rips her heart out because she it's like an, she tries to like sexually advance on Dan. Yeah, It's is. like is this what you want? It made me feel like I was watching fucking Anna Nicole Smith.
0: So when that triangle finally comes to a head, that's when I kind of wish that they would have actually built it up more.
1: Yeah, because it's so quick.
0: And it plays really like soap opera melodramatically, especially Dan. Dan basically turns into a fucking soap opera
1: character. And it makes sense because of his background.
0: But he turns (laughs) hardcore into a fucking soap opera character, and he's like all around the room, like lounging (laughs) against things, like how do I make this decision?
1: Yeah, his reaction's... They're very, you're right, very soap opera.
0: And I didn't care.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. You're not really invested.
0: I think it's they weird put the that time he's in. even considering the bride at that point. Cause so he, disillusioned. Because it's really West that has the he even fascination with the he's bride. like, I'm the one who created you. And in that last action sequence when everything is going down, when the monsters are breaking in on them, and shit starts crumbling and everyone needs to get out of there and shit like... West suddenly turns into, like, a really good guy and is the one, like, protecting them all and keeping a clear head and <laughs> sending everybody in the right direction yeah. and making sure even people he truly doesn't actually care about are, like, being protected and getting the fuck out of there and shit.
1: Yeah. He's not, like, a horrible guy. He's no, just... but he also,
0: his character, we know where. Oh, yeah. You know, wait, the only thing he loves is his work. These other people truly mean absolutely nothing to him other than dan
1: right because dan serves a purpose in his work
0: and if any one of them died in that scene he would be delighted at the chance to use their fresh corpse yet yeah. he's still trying to make sure that they live pretty neat <laughs> that's what i thought was weird is like i know this character well enough and jeffrey combs plays the character yeah believable enough that it's not that I think he's acting out a character because he still manages to do it in a way that feels like Herbert West, but it's weird to see Herbert West, yeah. like when he's put under pressure, can still just be like, look, I'm still a fucking human. Like, yeah, I'm and right a, now I'm we're being attacked point. by monsters.
1: <laughs> yeah. The ending, once again, made me feel like they were paying homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the way that, mm-hmm. yeah, Kane and... Francesca both come up out of the crypt and you already mentioned it that fucking Hill now with the bat wings is trapped and he's laughing maniacally down there in the rubble. You also get a pan back to the bride who's now holding the heart of Megan and then the heart stops and then that's it.
0: It didn't hit me in the moment. I had to sit there and really think of not really think about it like I wasn't thinking about this moment, but I was like, "Ah." first it left me with a question. I knew that the heart shouldn't necessarily have stopped at that point, if that makes sense. Like, we have the hill head. She's been administered a far superior version of the reagent. It's been said many times throughout this movie that consciousness exists in every part, not just in the brain. Exactly. But if Megan's consciousness exists in every part, so she's still in the heart and... I'm not sure if it was... How to explain this? Like, I don't think that the actions of the bride were necessarily that of Megan's, because there was too many parts put together. It was like a weird combination, if anything. But there was a part of Meg in that. And she has now, through her part, she has both been rejected by her former love, but because she loves him and she's, like, the sane part and is now separate from the rest of it, has also got to see him move on because she's in death. Yeah. She's gotten a chance to move on herself, if that makes sense. She's given up it's the, the there. reanimated life in that last moment because it, her There's time kind of, like, passed. a resolve.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, it's time for him to move on. This is the last thread, so to speak, connecting him to her and He's physically on, as well.
0: And so she can... Despite the reagent move on herself,
1: yeah, it's kind of similar to what Jordan had brought up last week, and something we talked about with Houseu House is the curse. Kind of, you know, not necessarily that that was a curse per se. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it was, but it's a way of like ending this kind of cycle with Dan and Megan's subplot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. I could see them doing that.
0: I think that's what I had to say about that. <laughs> nice. I don't know. I ended up reading real deep in and i was like oh that's kind of surprising actually oh i thought that was really cool now i'm just actually really excited to show you the stupid fucking cat
1: oh all right now there's a few things i want to i know no we'll
0: we'll we'll talk about whatever else first but i i'm not gonna lie like it's fucking ridiculous
1: (laughs) cool all right so i did write down a couple of like little trivia things that are not necessarily included on the movie database page Mm -hmm. so for those who like that kind of shit you've already mentioned it i kind of mentioned it some of this was adapted from herbert west reanimator this is it begins faithfully as you know an adaptation of the fifth episode it was named the horror from the shadows that was like the fifth novella Right, mm-hmm. in that series. There's a part where Herbert West, he makes a reference while they're in the laboratory as some noises are happening. was like, oh, there's probably some rats in the wall.
0: Oh, yeah, rats in the wall. Is
1: uh... a reference to the rats in the wall, <laughs> which is neat. I mean, that's something you can look up. There's a couple of other influences that can be traced back to the form of Earl C. Kenton's Island of Lost Souls from 1932, which is a film which is based on H.G. Wells' classic tale of science gone amok in the Island of Dr. Moreau. Right. Makes sense. There's some connections there.
0: Wasn't uh, the documentary that was made about the production of the Island of Dr. Moreau movie with Marlon Brando? I think that's called Lost Souls.
1: Oh, I think you're right, dude. Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of another little cool mm-hmm. circle. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. I was going to say, I mentioned K&B. We both did it earlier. And I also mentioned that Nicotero was working on Halloween 5, The Return of Michael Myers, during the pre-production. It says, however, he rejoined The Bride of Reanimator in June of 1989 and oversaw the effects during the sequence in which Kane and West are shown working as the medics in the uh, field hospital in Peru. So that's when he joined mm-hmm. the team. Okay, Yeah, so it was mostly Kurtzman and Berger who worked on The Bride. And, you know, they're... Mm-hmm. Their team, So, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool, man, seeing some of the people attached to it, getting to see Jeffrey Combs return as Herbert West, getting to see Bruce Abbott return as Dan Kane. Surprisingly, also getting to see David Gill come back as a Carl Hill. Right. <laughs> Just that, here's something that's kind of neat. This is what Brian Yuzna said about David Gill, is that when he found out, David Gill, is that they were filming a sequel, he wanted to be in it, and he's like, you know, he's like, "There's anything in there for me," and so you know they knew he was enthusiastic and wasn't working on anything. And so they're like, "Yeah, we'll write in, no big deal." So they came up with that little side story. I was going to mention this too is another part of Italian is from a deleted scene, although they didn't film it. They said that their intention was because it was a fucking line that Herbert West says in Reanimator when Gail is headless. And so the anecdote is, is that that's what happened to his head. It was that he had showed up at a right. sideshow and a freak show at a carnival. And that that's where Chapham traced it. Mm-hmm. And Chapham, because he had seen it, quote unquote, talk during a performance. And when he approached it, he found out, you know, that there was actually like a rigging of blood and there was a recorded track and what have you. And so he took it out of disgust. And that's how the head shows back up at Arkham Hospital during his mm-hmm. sequence. So it was because of what Wes said in Reanimator oh. about him joining a freak show. Like, who's going to believe a talking head? Join a freak show. <laughs> you know? So that that was kind of neat, man. That was kind of clever. And. Gale, when he showed up, he didn't realize at the time, like, oh, yeah, the fucking movie ended with my head getting smashed in. So in this film, all you're going to see is my head. <laughs> so, right. you know, he said he showed up for wardrobe, and he's like, what am I going to wear? They're like, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> you're going to stick your head through a fucking hole in the table, or we're going to attach a little <laughs> bit of prosthetics to your neck, yeah, and just make it's, sure that you're wearing black underneath. It's pretty
1: gnarly. It's pretty funny, too. So, yeah, everything else is, like I said, Kind of anecdotal, but uh, overall, like I said, a pretty fun film. I like the score. It does feel like the original score from Reanimator still has that kind of feel to it. You know, mm-hmm. I would add something kind of interesting. I think Richard Band at one time because it, it kind of does feel like something Danny Elfman would do. I think they collaborated together on some shit down the road, but yeah, I, th- I think if you are a fan of Reanimator, don't expect, you know, like something adjacent, but it's not a bad follow up.
0: So I feel like we kind of end up saying this a lot, especially me. And it's not that I don't like this product, but this is a movie that I would love to see remade. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because one of the things that came through more in this movie rather than the last one, and I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just because of the idiosyncrasies that Jeffrey Combs gives his portrayal of Herbert West. And the fact that the other character I'm about to bring up is the only character that Herbert West has history with at this point. But I want a version of this where basically this storyline still happens with West trying to make a bride for Kane because he was the reason that Kane's previous love died. But I want it way more explicit. It's because West loves Kane.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of allusions to their, you could say, homoerotic relationship.
0: And it doesn't even necessarily need to be. In my head, I see it as like, in that version, West is still asexual. Mm-hmm. And that he thought he was aromantic. I want him to have romantic feelings towards Kane, and not understand what he's feeling because he's never felt it before
1: gotcha you so what I'm saying? Uh, yeah and there's a birth of sorts within
0: him as well mm-hmm. yeah and so he's just trying to do this to keep this person he loves happy right and you see sort of these weird exchange like this is born from this movie yeah. because there are exchanges where it truly seems like west is I- like just trying to show off for kane <laughs> there's some funny
1: shit man like I'm gonna join you in this conversation. There's a scene in the tent after Herbert West like guns down some of those guys coming in, ambushing them, and because Kane was wounded, he starts to drag him off. He's like, "We're going home." Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Then roping him back in with the heart and
0: and his look, the whole of, idea, his look of both pride and admiration. Any time that Kane remembers anything that west has told him before
1: yeah exactly he's like yeah when they were talking about some of the chemicals and shit mm-hmm. like that yeah and he mentions one of them he's like yeah you're right that, yeah that is one of them you have been paying attention mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you little and it's not devil. just
0: pride though like those looks aren't just pride no like, you're a weird admiration you like.
1: little devil you <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's where i'm like i can see a version of this yeah dude that and, it, oh, and I wouldn't
1: man. Okay. And
0: if you didn't want to make it super explicit, you could still make it feel like the third season of Hannibal. All
1: right. Since we're on that topic, I do want to throw my lot in in this this ring here is I think if anybody would be really good for a re adaptation, remake, whatever, maybe Brian Fuller. Yeah. Like some of his if, team, I don't
0: know if it's something he would ever be Right, right, in.
1: right. But I feel like if you're going to lean into that direction, I think he would be a good person for that vision.
0: Yeah, and like I said, even if you don't want to make it super explicit, right, you can make it like the third season of Hannibal. Nah, I'd be where, cool with that, dude. I mean, we both watched it. it was... Hannibal and Hugh were oh. in a relationship.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, but Damn. it's just
0: the most fucked up relationship on earth.
1: Oh yeah, oh, fucking hell! You're right, serial killer and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anywho, you're right. It's very complex, <laughs> very difficult.
0: But it's hard to describe it as anything else. <laughs>
1: bromance.
0: Well, bromance was the second but, yeah, season. No, I'm just I teasing, think third but, season, it had went beyond. It.
1: No, it's like...
0: They were romantically intangled like in a way that neither of them knew how to express. Yeah, it's pretty
1: remarkable, man. Anywho, yeah, I know there's not a lot of people... It might be (laughs) fanables like us. We know one in particular who's not, but I still vouch for it, man.
0: But I think the way this movie plays out, you can do... No, you totally can
1: with those characters. And it would make sense and you wouldn't be reaching either.
0: No, no. It would still be pretty true to this. Yeah, I think it
1: would be really cool. I know we've mentioned this before. I'm going to mention this again
0: because I think if... Make it Mads and (laughs) Hume. I would love that.
1: But I think we've mentioned this before. If anybody might fit a pretty decent bill. You can't fill Jeffrey Combs' shoes,
0: but... Not exactly, but maybe not exactly. another nice shoe.
1: But somebody who is familiar with this universe, who's actually been in this universe, and that's uh, Ezra Godden, who was in Dagon.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. And he's
1: been in, in more than just that. He was also in Dreams and Witch House. Mm-hmm. That was the Stuart Gordon episode of Masters of Horror. So he's pretty familiar with... Working with these guys in this universe and those characters.
0: How old is he now at this point, though,
1: too? I would think he's probably around my age, maybe getting his early 40s.
0: Okay. I'm trying to think of who, like, my late 20s, early 30s was.
1: Okay. Okay. That's a good point, too. Ooh. I don't know. That's. I know.
0: That's tough. I don't know. Yeah, especially on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody's really jumping to mind that... I mean, there's probably people that could do it really well. Yeah. Plus, I don't really... 100% one hundred percent putting their own take on it, and I'm trying to think of more of like a Jeffrey Combs.
1: I, this is gonna sound a little ageist, and it's not meant to be, but I really don't have my finger on the pulse of like early twenties actors right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean even late twenties actors. I was there.
1: like, that's no discredit. I'm just saying I, I don't have my finger on the pulse of those up and coming actors and actresses.
0: Yeah, I have no idea who I would put. It as, I mean um, the
1: the class. the easy answer, the cop out answer, in my opinion, would be like Timothy Chalamet, but.
0: He's been in so much shit. I think he's shit. too young. I would, want, I would want an older, like I said, a late 20s, early 30s I think West. that would be whew. great. Actually, yes. I just, I have nobody immediately jumping uh-uh. to mind.
1: Well, maybe for those who do, chime in, because it'd be interesting. You know, just for shits and giggles, it's always mm. kind of interesting to hear other people's opinions
0: too. I mean, I know this they don't have to do it like Combs. <laughs> That's the problem. And I'm trying right. to think somebody who could bring that same energy. But like, I... There's definitely people who could do it probably more, like, sinister. And that'd be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I was like, yeah, you don't have to be Combs' version, but do a, something, a variation of it if you can. No, but it's still kind of fun to think about that because when you're playing around, and we've seen it time and time again, we're still talking about it, but with H.P. Lovecraft and that universe and the characters, there's always going to be, a, I think, a market, whether it's a cult status market or... Sometimes a mainstream market, there's going to be, you know, an avenue for that. There's going to be a fandom for that. So why not? You know, if someone's interested, I think there's a good market for it, man.
0: Yeah, I was still trying to think, but still have nothing.
1: I really don't know either. It makes me wonder, too, like, how much would you want want to maybe lean in towards like a Clive Mm Barker-esque vision, too? Because, you know, he does pretty well with a little bit of this. Not necessarily Barker himself, but some of the vision
0: that he shares right right i don't know it's all hypothetical (laughs) i don't know if i really have much else to say about this though no like i I I, said it was it was fun it was
1: kind of neat watching some of the behind the scenes footage and interviews and stuff like that as brief as they were they were still really interesting and kind of gave me more insight into the filmmaking process and yeah it's not a bad film
0: i am glad i finally watched it if like me you haven't watched this because of the fact that lovecraft never wrote a sequel to reanimator uh-huh. watch it because it's is still reanimator
1: there is one thing i want to leave with everybody this is including you right so because there is a trilogy there is a song that is associated with beyond reanimator i didn't want to mention it while we were talking about this film because it doesn't have any relevance but i watched the fucking <laughs> the video holy shit all right so there's a video by this guy called doctor Reanimator, and the song is called Move Your Dead Bones. So there's footage from the motion picture. I believe Usna does direct it, or I think we've mentioned okay. that. It was filmed in Spain, low budget, you can tell. But it does have snippets of Jeffrey Combs because he comes back as Herbert West. So for those who are curious, go check that music video out. Tell us what you think.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Let's see. We have next week picked, right? We do.
1: We do. We've got actually... I mean,
0: we spoiler? have at least the next three <laughs> weeks. Say spoiler, but next week, dude. Leprechaun.
1: I know, dude. I'm excited because there's some really interesting names. If you're not familiar with this franchise,
0: wow, I haven't seen First Leprechaun since high school.
1: I've seen it more recently. Not, I won't say the more recently, but within the last five years, I've seen it. I think at least once.
0: Yeah, I want to say the last time I saw it, I was 16 years old. Wow. You've got some catching up to do. So this is going to be a lot of fun for
1: me. Cool. Well, my lips are sealed until next week.
0: Anyway, hopefully you guys all uh, check that out next week. But for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Out.